Hello, my name is Reverend Casey Carbone, and you're listening to a sermon provided by the First Presbyterian Church at Mayopac. We are currently worshiping on Sundays at 10 a.m., both on Facebook Live and YouTube Live. We hope that this message provides you with a source of encouragement and allows you to grow more deeply in your faith as we all continue to seek to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. Would you please join me in a prayer as we pray for the illumination of the Holy Spirit? Almighty God, as we prepare our hearts, our minds, to hear your holy word, to read your holy word, we ask that we be reminded of the presence of your spirit, a spirit that illumined the path of the disciples, the countless women and men you have called throughout all time to be your hands and your feet. God, on this day, bless our worship so that as we hear your words of scripture and what you proclaim to us this day, that we may continue to grow and grow to be more like you and your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, our reading this morning is a shorter one, so there's another one that will come up in the sermon as well. But this is now the sixth commandment that we are at. The sixth commandment, uh, the sixth commandment on our series of the Ten Commandments. This morning, our reading, therefore, comes from Exodus chapter 20, verse 13, which simply says, you shall not murder. (laughs) No matter, I think, how you parse this passage, this command of you shall not murder, I think it's a pretty loud and clear message. People don't get to kill each other. That responsibility lies in the hands of God. But of course, we are people. Sometimes we're Presbyterian people with lots of regulations and rules and committees and so on and so forth, like the rest of the world. And so we have court systems, which occasionally deliver such judgments. We have other rays of ways that life has been lost on countless levels. And of course, there are the occasions in which sometimes unsavory business practices place the value of human life under their need for profit. Lately, I don't know about you, but I'm speaking for myself. Lately, there are days when it feels like control over life and death feels anything but in the hands of God. But there's good news in that. There's good news in the fact that there's something we can do about that. We can try and fix it. And I believe it starts with us cultivating a better understanding of what the sixth commandment means and what is at the core that drives this prohibition to take the life of another person. I think it'd be best, though, this morning, before we dive into the Sixth Commandment, to set some boundaries, set some parameters. One is that I'm not going to be talking about war. War is its own category. One that we could certainly include in a conversation on the Sixth Commandment, but one that may not be helpful for us this morning. Because believe me, it would be a conversation that would take more than a sermon on Sunday morning to talk about. So instead, I think we should focus on what lies at the core of this command, which includes this unfolding commentary 
on our innate ability to feel hate and a desire to seek vengeance. Both of these feelings, both of these emotions are ways that we can express ourselves when we feel that we've suffered an injustice. They may be feelings I express when I'm on the road and get senselessly cut off, but you know, I don't act on those feelings. So it's our response, like I was alluding to, when we have these feelings of hate, of vengeance, that we find that the sixth commandment comes into play. It's in the sixth commandment where we find that the image of God that resides in each and every one of us is not something that should fall prey to our inability to find ways to vent more healthily. Hate and vengeance. Two things that we as human beings, I don't think have ever been good at controlling. Vengeance is mine and I will repay, saith the Lord. Anger and hate and vengeance, driving forces which lead not only to a loss of life, but I think leads us to feel bitterness or a bitter aftertaste when we've achieved what we think our desired goal was. It raises the question of who are we to dispense such judgment by, shedding, by the shedding of blood when we are just as flawed, just as sinful, just as in need of mercy that goes beyond human understanding like anyone else. It's a plague that continues to torment us in one that dates back to the very beginning of scripture where we find Cain who killed Abel and denied such a loss of blood to the Lord. Now you may notice that I'm talking about the sixth commandment painting broad brushstrokes, and I know that not everyone likes my broad brushstrokes, but it's, it's how I roll. And that's because the sixth commandment sometimes has that broader meaning. You might have heard me say in the beginning that this commandment says you shall not murder, which is true. But murder does not capture the entirety of the commandment. The Hebrew word rasha means murder. But again, it describes the shortcoming of our English language because the Hebrew word rasha incorporates all the forms of taking life of another person. There are some exceptions, but for the most part, to kill, to murder, these are semantics that aren't involved when we're talking about the Hebrew because it incorporates all of those things. If we could think that we could try to parse or rationalize away the act of taking a life, I think it's a, an absurd thought <laughs> when we're thinking about this commandment. As we profess to believe in a living God who upholds all our lives and asks us to take a stand against the loss of life by whatever means we are able the people of God, us here and now are tasked to be life givers, not life takers. How we think about the sixth commandment should not be based on ideology or whatever we believe is simply right or just. Because like I said, we're flawed, flawed individuals who are sometimes prone to making mistakes. 
if we were to look back at the Sixth Commandment, it's actually quite interesting to find the rabbinic tradition's interpretation of this commandment. In the rabbinic tradition, it was almost impossible for governments or religious leaders to put someone to death. It was because they valued life so much and had at their very foundation the Sixth Commandments in all their decision-making. These houses of judgment, <laughs> by our standards, were quite interesting. Maybe more than what we might think is reasonable. But these houses of judgment in the Jewish tradition had about 23 judges. And if they were to hand down a decision on life or death, it wasn't a simple majority. And to add on top of that, if there was a unanimous guilty verdict, the accused was let go. Because there was a chance something was wrong with the court, something was wrong with the testimony. Now, of course, when I say let go, there were still other punishments, but you wouldn't take their life for it. I give this example because it's helpful for us to think about the complexities of this commandment. And if you think that's already complex, Jesus comes into the picture and throws a nice curveball at us once again. For we hear in Matthew's gospel that Jesus tells us that it's not just about murder that applies to this sixth commandment, but it's also hate to hate one another, to hate a brother or a sister is on par with breaking the sixth commandment. It's on par with murder. It's more than Jesus simply telling us, don't be mad at each other. That's an easy lesson. Jesus is telling us that this commandment applies to, not, to, to our feelings of hate towards each other on a level that's equal to murder. And that in order to remedy the situation, reconciliation is required. Jesus knows the power of hate. It was a hateful crowd that crucified Jesus. Jesus knows the power of hate and that if it is left to its own devices, the harm to one's self or to an individual can sometimes be unimaginable. I think one of the most unsettling things in life, if you've ever experienced it, is to see the hate in someone's eyes. To hear hate in someone's voice. That is what Jesus is telling us is on par with breaking the sixth commandment. Paul picks up these words of Jesus as well, and in his letter to the Ephesians, he says this, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31 to chapter 5, verse 2. He says, put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander together with all malice and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ Jesus has forgiven you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and live in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up to us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. It's also Paul who in his letters talks about anger and the sun setting down on that anger, the hate, the violence. 
Perhaps the sun has set on our anger for too long. Perhaps we've gone to bed angry at one another for far too long. Perhaps we've gone to sleep not making amends with one another for far too long. Far too long. We haven't addressed these things. And our feelings of frustration, of hate, of not knowing what to do has created the darkness we face today. When we allow violence to breed violence, when we we contribute in our own way to these dark forces, that as Dr. King once said, adds darkness to a night already devoid of stars. At the end of the day, there are two choices for us to make. We can either choose the night devoid of stars or a night filled with stars of hope, hung in the sky by Christ. Haven't we, haven't we and countless others paid the cost of our unbridled anger with our blood, with our feelings towards one another? Hasn't the price been paid? In one of my favorite episodes from uh, The West Wing, there's this episode where uh, the character of President Bartlett wrestles with whether or not he should commute the death sentence of a drug dealer. Throughout the day, he hears various cases for and against from a Quaker, a rabbi, and a priest. It sounds like the start of some kind of joke, but it's not. At the end of the day, though, he seeks guidance from his home parish, his home priest or pastor, who tells him that God is the only one who can deal in the business of life or death. Bartlett tells the priest that he tried everything, that he tried everything in his power to commute the sentence in a way that would make it palatable to the American public. But in the end, he didn't commute the sentence. The priest then looks Bartlett in the eyes and tells him that all he had to say, the only reason he needed to give for commuting a sentence was saying that God is the only one who gets to kill people. Returning violence for violence multiplies violence, adding deeper darkness to a night already devoid of stars. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. It's easy to say that now when we can look back on things. It's also easy to say, for me to say here this Sunday morning, now when you leave here today, don't kill anyone. I don't expect any of you would. If you do, I might be worried for my life right now. (laughs) But it would be much harder to say, now when you leave here today, don't hate anyone without seeking reconciliation. That would be the harder task. But I believe it's the task for us this week to see how well we can do in living faithfully the words of the Sixth Commandments. Can we honor life this week, the life of all those around us? 
can we do our own part to see that senseless shedding of blood ceases? Can we go one day without expressing hate or anger, without reconciliation? Can we go that week without expressing them? I'm not going to ask for a progress report next week because I would probably be ashamed to share my own results. But you be the keeper of your own spiritual growth this week. And whether you made it a week or a day, just hopefully more than an hour, we can take what we learned and continue to apply it to our daily lives. Doing so will help us to shed the weight of bitterness, of malice, or anger that keeps us from seeing the imago dei, the image of God in each other, to honor it and to not strip it away. Because as we said before, to kill or to murder does not have to be literal, in a sense, as we might interpret this commandment. Because as Jesus reminds us, we are responsible for the ways in which we strip life away in both our words as well, our words and our feelings. So let us go, hear these words of God and inscribe them on our hearts as we strive each day to be the people God intended us to be, to be those people who build one another up, who supports the life that is inside one of us as we bear the image of God to those who are around us. Let it be so now and forevermore. Amen. Thanks again for listening, and we will hold you in prayer as we head into a new week. If you'd like to learn more about our church and ministry, or if you'd like to learn how you can support us, you can visit our website at mayopacchurch.org. Until next week, God bless.